Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors, Take a Walk, and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we're preaching. So what is astonishing you this week? What is astonishing me? I am astonished that we are, what, two days away from Thanksgiving? We are. And I am wrestling with gratitude. I, I'm like a lot of people I'm in this season of really hard and really challenging mm-hmm. things, both in ministry and at home. Uh, we're caring for a family member um, who has Parkinson's and uh, some dementia associated with it. And it's very hard. And um, we did not realize how hard it would be, but it's it's just very challenging. And um, life in ministry these days is also hard as church um, responds and rebounds from COVID and um, yeah, life is just hard. And so on Sunday, this past Sunday, the Lord led me to preach Numbers 21. Israel is traveling through the desert. They've been in the desert for over 30 years. They are almost to the promised land. They were closer than they had ever been. I mean, it was, it was within reach. And um, as they approached the promised land, uh, they had a detour uh, because the king of Edom would not let them pass through their land peacefully. And so they had to go around the land of Edom. And so instead of going north and west into the promised land, they had to turn and go south and east. And they became so discouraged and so disappointed Mm -hmm. that they, they became impatient They complained against God and Moses, and they began to detest the very gifts of God, like manna. They said, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't have any food, Mm -hmm. and we hate the food that we have. Like, you know, ever stood (laughs) in front of your closet full of clothes saying, I have nothing to wear, right? And then the text, and we can all identify with that. Oh my gosh, everything about this story, like how you can have done something, you could be almost at the end, and just one thing that is not nothing, maybe not even a small thing, but is nothing in the context of all you've ever done and endured, but you just yes. like, you're depleted and you're tired and you just lose it. And this is Numbers chapter 21, beginning with verse four. If you read verses one through three, it's a short story of Israel being attacked by another king. Mm-hmm. And this king takes some of the Israelites captive. And, and the Israelites pray, God, would you give us the strength to overcome these people and rescue our people? And God does. And so right after that victory, they have this detour. And they forget totally about all that God had done for them in the desert. They forget water from a rock and making bitter water sweet and the parting of the Red Sea and the plagues Quail. of Egypt. All of God's faithfulness. It's like they were doing the Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? And mm-hmm. they they just forgot God's faithfulness and they lost it and they complained and they grumbled. And, um, then the t- and, and again, we can identify with that. And then the yep. text says that God sent poisonous snakes to bite the people and some of the Israelites died. And 
I sat with that, and I've read that story many times before, mm-hmm. but this year it was really troubling and disturbing to me, wrestling with my own sense of gratitude in such a hard season. And, you know, I, and I get that the venom of their impatience, the venom of their ingratitude, the venom of their complaining, God was kind of turning back on them in the form of these snakes, but still, it's just really disturbing. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, it's like this idea that, you know, bad parenting is when a kid is crying, you smack them and say, you've got nothing to cry about, right? right? right. And so it does sort of, you know, you could be like, okay, this seems like perhaps, <laughs> like if a if a human had done it, <laughs> it would be child abuse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then it gets even stranger. Um, the people cry out to Moses, tell God to take away the snakes. And God tells and Moses prays, and God tells Moses to make a bronze snake, put it on a pole. Anyone who looks at it, snake on live. a plane, because <laughs> right. it happens uh, on the plane. And, and I <laughs> can we just listen. pause and marvel at my unoriginal biblical po- pun? Okay, Snakes sorry. On a plane. I'm sorry. Back to gratitude. Well, I just had to say to the congregation, there's just so much in that part of the text I don't understand. Right. I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand, like, were there a lot of snakes? Were there a few snakes? The bronze snake on a pole, how big was it? I mean, there were hundreds of thousands of Israelites. Did it pass through the crowd? I don't know. How, how did all that work? Mm-hmm. But what's clear is that thanksgiving, that gratitude, is serious spiritual work. It is mm-hmm. a discipline. And my Mm -hmm. takeaway from the text was, again, that it is discipline. It is something that we do whether we feel like it or not, Mm -hmm. whether we feel grateful or not, that there is a a command in Scripture to give thanks, but also this constant reminder that everything you have, you have received, and the one who gave it to you is to be thanked. And so um, as, you know, I've worked through the text – and working through my own mm-hmm. sense of pressure and disappointment and golly gee, things are hard right now. Astonished at the grace and goodness of God to one, keep me from just falling into a pit of <laughs> despair mm-hmm. um, because I feel that sometime. Um, I'm, I can't say that I'm in this place of top of the mountain gratitude, Mm -hmm. but I can say by God's grace, I am thankful. There is, I, in working through the text, I started pausing and say, Mm -hmm. okay, in this season, what do I need to be intentional about giving thanks for? Yeah. Yeah. And, And that is a, that is a powerful it sounds very simple, almost childish, but it is a powerful discipline to look back over life and say, oh, yes, God has brought me to this present moment. Right, right. I to, mean, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, and to look around in the present moment and say, even though I'm in this valley, oh, there are many points of light here. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting. Um, we enjoy feeling thankful and, and we resent practicing gratitude and, and really, and I think f- some of us, it's exactly, 
um, what what you've said is this idea that like, well, we are we're serious Christians. We're mature Christians. Some of us are even Presbyterians, and so like practicing gratitude is simple and even dumb people can do it and you know people who haven't gone to college and like isn't there some sort of like special elite you know it can't I don't want it's like it makes me think of Naaman being like I'm not dipping in your dumb old Jordan River but right this is too easy I'm not going to do that so and I think what I I mean what I appreciate about a story like Numbers 21 is like I don't understand it. Um, and I, in the sense that the thing that troubles me about that, particularly in the context of the conversation we were having earlier about Advent plans and some of the text we're going to preach and sort of the revelation of Christ in this like cataclysmic gentleness is like, this is not a gentle response um, that God has in this moment. Um and I don't, I mean, I'm not going to smooth that over or explain that away. I, I, I know God to be good. I believe God to be gentle. And yet this moment, this is just not what I see in the text. And obviously I'm a human and my understanding is infinitesimal. Um, but what I do appreciate in the text is just how true it is to me that the reality is I, I totally identify with the Israelites as we should. Um, and so that's just a gift to be able to see that truth in someone else's story. Um, and I, I really identify, um, with the idea that sometimes I think that because we think of, uh, practicing gratitude and trusting God, like we think of it as something we should feel. And we think yes. of it as something that if we don't feel it, then it's not authentic. And we think of it as something that's not very impressive spiritually. So for all of those reasons, we we don't perceive the power of practicing gratitude and the power of trusting God. And we don't perceive like the the work, like the wisdom and the intentionality and effort that it takes. And I think, you know, there are just times where you can go through a season where things have been hard and God has been faithful to you in really miraculous ways and still just get to a point where like, I don't want to have to turn to God. I just want to be able to like take the straight route to the promised land. Right? Like I just resent. Sometimes you just resent having to trust God. You just want say like, I did that and I'll do it again in the future. But as for now, can I just, have an easy road for a minute like I just I mean I don't know I just really appreciate that and I also just think it's really interesting that we can sort of look at the Israelites and identify with them and feel some real compassion um but I mean they're just exactly the same as Jonah right like Jonah and I think in the Jonah text most of us will identify with the Ninevites and sort of mock Jonah, which I mean, I think that's the point. Like it is a point that a story that teaches us through humor reveals God through humor. Um, but I think, you know, that's just Jonah. Like, I'm just tired of trusting you, God, your ways are so far above your ways. I just, you're going to do what you're going to do. Like, can I just sit on this hill and watch everything I don't want to happen, happen? Like everything I don't want to happen, happen. You're going to show grace to these people who 
don't deserve it and don't understand and they've like known you for 30 seconds and they are totally getting out of jail free and they don't you know they're getting nothing that they deserve and these are people who who did terrible acts of violence to Jonah's people I mean like this isn't cute like these people are not sinners because they didn't return their library books right and so Jonah is seeing God do this terrible thing like he's seeing the terrible offensiveness of the grace of God and he's sitting on this hill and God grows the tree for him to sit under and and in the context of like the Ninevites being forgiven when God takes the tree away I mean that's just not a big deal like rationally like the big deal is the people who like you know practice tried to practice genocide against your people are getting forgiven (laughs) that's a big deal and like having to find a new shade spot (laughs) is not a big deal but Jonah just like loses it and I think just I don't know I really identify with that and just to get that sometimes I don't I mean like here's a story I went to the dentist yesterday and I just I hate going to the dentist and I mean judge me I don't floss every day I don't and so then going to the dentist is not very fun and the woman who's cleaning my teeth is like I always tell all my patients that it's just better to remove plaque by flossing than to come in here and have me use the sharp pointy metal stick like if a cleaning hurts you're doing something wrong and I just was like are you kidding me like I get it like I am 47 years old I understand the connection between flossing every day and having an easy cleaning I didn't do it and if telling me I'm bad and wrong motivated me to make a better choice I would we neither one of us would be doing this right I mean I just I don't know like sometimes we know what we should do and we just don't do it and we're weary and I can just really deeply identify with like the Israelites and with Jonah that they're just frail and tired and um I I I don't know like it's a hard story it's such a true story and I don't think that we're supposed to read the Bible and be like there's God as I always understand and anticipate and enjoy and I'm comforted by right like that story troubles me and I also know that it's really true and um I um I don't know sometimes well that was going to be my astonishment but you look like you wanted to say well one of the things I'm coming back to, and it should be like simple and like, how could I forget this? But gratitude and giving thanks is more than, it is a command in scripture, but it's more than that. You know, it is, it is central to who we are as disciples, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you can't worship without gratitude, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It is central to prayer. Paul says, make your request known to God with thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. It is, I think one could say, often the prelude to spiritual power, the miraculous. You know, when uh, Jesus was with uh, a crowd of people teaching and it was getting late and the disciples said, send them away, send them home to eat. And Jesus said, no, you give them something to eat. And the disciples said, well, all we have are five loaves of bread Mm -hmm. and two fish for thousands of people. And 
the Bible says that Jesus um, received those small food items and gave thanks to God. Right. And then the miracle and of the feeding of the 5,000. them. Yes. And gave them to the people. And the other time is Jesus, not the other time, but this links us to Jesus sitting at the table with the 12 who are in front of him and all of us who are, you know, in the room and Jesus the night before he's betrayed, the night before he dies, takes bread and breaks it and gives thanks and then gives it to them. So, I mean, I do think it's just this thing that sometimes something we think we can see something and so we don't bother to perceive it and we think we're experts and so we miss that the way to the kingdom is like a little child and if you if you need to be sophisticated like you're you you are in some danger and I think just knowing that on the one hand Jesus has boundless compassion for weak and bruised and faltering people and also he's shown us what is good and so we just want to say like this practice and you know and I think the commercialization of it in our country um, and the way that gratitude is often um, set up as a as an in opposition to truth right like if we're going to practice Thanksgiving as a nation that requires pretending that everything about this nation is perfect and that nothing terrible has ever happened here. And, you know, you, you cannot tell, you know, this idea, like we want to teach the children the story of the pilgrims and the Thanksgiving table and want to make it about the virtue of the pilgrims for practicing gratitude. Like, I think that's the other thing is that we, we say, you know, we'll just, be grateful, damn it. <laughs> like, and so gratitude becomes a, a, a production. Like we produce yes, gratitude yes. and then God rewards us instead of saying like, no, the whole point of practicing gratitude is becoming a, aware of what God has done, not what you have done for God. It's not something you do for God. It is re um, centering yourself on the goodness of God around you. Even when you are not getting what you want, what you deserve, what you yeah, perceive that you need or, that's or it. justice. Right. That's I mean, it. this is just mm -hmm. the truth. So I, um, so because of, you know, no matter what God is always good and God is always faithful. Well, so the psalmist can say, um, goodness and mercy follow me all the days mm -hmm. of my life. So even if I'm not in the midst of that, you know, if I'm not mm -hmm. experiencing, um, great goodness, if everything is not well, I know that God's goodness and mercy are following me. Yeah, and I just think, like, I I, I have such a love-hate relationship with that line because I just <laughs> I identify so deeply. I put myself in the text, and I just am, like, see myself just, like, chugging along. Like, I am just on my way, and I am doing things for God, and I am getting ish done. And goodness and mercy are, like, trying to catch up with me, and I am, like, trying to outrun it. And I do think... Like that's interesting. Part, that, wow. Huh. I mean, that's how I always hear it, right? Like, I hear it as, like, there's goodness and mercy are following, but, like, you're they're not where you are. Like, they're following you. And I do think there's a deep connection between rest and the practice of gratitude. Like, you can't practice gratitude if you can't stop. Um, and 
I think it's just really hard to stop, especially when we are just emotionally flooded and depleted. Um, it's just really difficult to be still enough to see anything other than what's immediately around us. And I, and I, it's not that we shouldn't see what's immediately around us. It's not that we shouldn't take that to the Lord, but we can experience all the resources of God if we can see what is killing us in the context of the goodness of God and the realized promises of God and the certainty of the promises of God that are as yet unrealized in our lives and, and the places where they are realized. And we just haven't noticed because we're like, um, just move into fast. And I do wonder, I, I haven't preached that numbers 21 text in a long time and I haven't studied it lately, but I do wonder about the practice of Sabbath that was going on among the people. And, you know, cause I really do think that the, the point of practicing Sabbath and rest and having those rhythms in our lives is just perpetually being reminded that when you have had enough and you can't take any more, that's not the end because the center of your story isn't you. So it's not that that's not important and it's not that you should dig deeper and keep going. It's just that like you are at the end, but God isn't. And I just think, you know, particularly, I mean, the gift of serving in our context, I mean, the real gift is that we get to the end quickly and frequently, (laughs) (laughs) quickly and frequently. Are we just like, I have done all that I could do, or frankly, I've messed up and missed the boat Mm -hmm. and I can't fix it. And I, you know, I'm just, you know, tired. And then it's just so easy to get discouraged and go, well, this is it. And I suck. (laughs) And, you know, there was a point in time when I had promise, but (laughs) clearly hasn't been realized. I'm just saying like you just get in your feelings, right? And that's, and, and you know, I was telling you on the walk that, you know, I've been just struggling lately, which is human. And, um, and I realized like part of it is, you know, I've just been saying, wondering like what's ahead of us. And if, you know, if I have it in me and I'm, I am tired in a lot of ways. And I I think if a, you know, not if, but when the next season of great disruption and upheaval and disorientation happen, which they will, I mean, they will, that's just part of being alive. I'm like, do I have, do I have the faith? Do I have the strength? Do I have the courage? Do I, do I have the energy to give what is required and I really am thinking this and really despairing that like I don't I'm just too old and I'm just my brain isn't as sharp anymore and I just don't know if I like I have what it takes and if I am in you know whatever and I just I was reached out to a friend yesterday and I was talking to her and she's like Kate I hear you all the time say that what happened at the grove is a manifestation of the glory of God, that it isn't you, that it was God. And I hear you say it and I know you believe it, but that's not how you're talking right now. And I'm like, gosh, that's so true that 
I really like the deepest truth that I can hold on to is that God has done this miraculous thing in and around me, but not by my effort. And I, as I, when I tell the story, I'm like, I'm so grateful that I was here for two years before, almost before the transformation started. And then I worked really hard and I did everything I needed how to do it just like 500%. And I was so happy to do it. And it did not move the needle on transformation here at all, which was awful at the time. And now I'm so grateful because I know it wasn't me. Like I know it wasn't me <laughs> when it, you know, and I'm, I, that is so part of my story. And still there's something deep within me that makes me feel like, oh no, I'm good because of what happened here and the part I played in it. And so, you know, this idea that we really, that we really walk by faith and not by sight, that we really can rest because God is doing what God is going to do, that we are invited into the vineyard, but that it's God who will bear fruit, that like you can be tired and you can be discouraged and you can be frustrated and you can take all of that to the Lord and feel all of those feelings and still find something to be grateful for and remember that it's fine. Like God can do things with, while you're feeling frustrated, (laughs) God is not limited by your discouragement. You are right. And then what you don't have to do is say like, okay, I got to fix myself and do a, like an emotional work. But I mean, I just think that one of the reasons it's hard to practice gratitude is, you know, sometimes we're just not grateful because we don't perceive that we're winning or we're besting anything. And we're just sort of down and disgusted with ourselves and sometimes for good reason and recognizing, okay, but that's not why you were practicing gratitude. Like gratitude is not sanctimoniousness. It's not like I feel good about myself. So I feel good about God. It's like, I can feel good about God when I feel bad about myself. And when I feel bad about myself, that's not the end of my story or the end of the story. I, I can bring that to the altar, but I think, you know, the culture around us says if you feel bad about yourself, then like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, fix it, and then you'll have something to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the real challenge. Like I think for the people to get told that they can't go around to eat them and to throw a temper tantrum, like, I mean, honestly, fair. Um, and to say, God, why won't you just show this king who you are and let us... And yet, if you want us to walk around Edom, we're going to walk around Edom because you, we, we trust you. Like, you know, yes, this is ultimately, not Exodus. that's it. Yes, we yeah. trust you. And it's not Exodus chapter five. It's Exodus chapter 21. And so to be able to see, like, it's not like you have to trust God in the beginning stages. And then after that, you won't have to do it anymore. Or it won't take any effort anymore. It's like, it's always going to be hard work to live in the world that eternally is instead of in a world that's passing away. And that is just a challenge. Yeah. So you were going to say something about um, what's astonishing you. Is that right? Well, I mean, I just, that's what's astonishing me is just the, you know, being discouraged and talking Mm -hmm. to my friend and having her in just such a, like such a gift say like you, you're, I hear you saying something that I know you don't believe that you're discouraged because you don't know if you can do it, but you don't think you did anything. 
and the it you did didn't matter, right? So you can, if you want to, if you choose to, you don't have to, but if you want to, you can be Habakkuk and stand on this watchtower and say, I'm waiting to see what God will do. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, rise up and work in the vineyard today. And then I'm going to go to sleep. Um, and God is going to be God. I was listening to a podcast this morning and they were saying like somebody was coming and feeling discouraged and the person they were talking to, I mean, these are all pastors and the person they were talking to has said, like, when are you most faithful to God? And the guy was like, I don't know. The woman said, when you're asleep. Wow. It was just so interesting, like so offensive when she's saying like, I mean, she wasn't being a jerk. She was just saying like, when you're asleep, you're not resisting God. You're not trying to be God to other people. You're not talking over them, which is especially true for me. I mean, like, I don't know, like you can either choose to be super discouraged by that or just to say, I I get that God doesn't need my effort to push Jesus over the top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that like what we are called to do is radical resistance is just to walk in the fullness of what God is doing, even in, in spite of what is happening in our lives and how that might seem to be, you know, contradictory to what God is doing. We can see that we can acknowledge it. We can live in reality and then say, you know, but even if not, I'm not going to bow down to the ways of this empire. I think I've made like 75 biblical illusions. (laughs) I really think that that's good. One, one thing if anyone, no one is listening, but if anyone is listening and they wanted to replace the biblical content exam and the denomination, they could just listen to this episode of the podcast and ask people to just like find the citations of all the random disparate biblical quotes and illusions we've thrown out here. Anyway, are we are we thinking about anything? Well, um, I am thinking about one thing, um, and it's a, a local news story uh, about a, a pastor uh, here in the city of Charlotte, uh, Pastor Robin Gould, who um, died this past Friday, Friday or Saturday. And um, I remember moving to Charlotte 20 years ago, a little more than 20 years ago. And even then, um, his name was very prominent among uh, black pastors. Uh, he is a graduate of Oral Roberts University and uh, came to Charlotte to start the Victory Christian Center. Uh, started with what about 50 people in a warehouse, and uh, they grew to um, a thousand um, folks. And um, his his death is a surprise to many, certainly uh, to me. Um, uh, he's part of the uh, what we know as the charismatic movement. Uh, his church was non-denominational. Um, he and I, um, we had very different politics um, in some ways, uh, theology, although the, the essentials of the gospel uh, we, we certainly uh, share. Um, one of the things that I am impressed about um, concerning his ministry is that even though there are a thousand people at Victory Christian Center, the word on the street is that he was not um, a distant or aloof 
shepherd mm-hmm. uh that he was not um you know kind of the just just a name mm-hmm. associated with a, a, a congregation but that he truly pastored mm-hmm. and shepherded a, a thousand people which you know as a, a, a more introverted pastor that that's just very impressive uh, mm-hmm. to me um and so um Many people are simply remembering him as a very, very good pastor over the years um, because I I share some affinity with the charismatic movement. Um, I've listened to some of his teaching over the years and so have appreciated that. Um, However, where we have disagreed is, uh, again, politics and the church, you know, at, at his death, said, did not disclose the the cause of death, and still saying um, it's unknown. Um, but what's being whispered is that um, he died because of COVID. I do not know that for sure, um, but that's that's what's being said. And um, um, Pastor Gould. Um, was very vocal in his opposition to um, the COVID vaccine. And um, so I, I want to really leave the, the story about his passing now, because uh, there's, I think there's something bigger that the church needs to wrestle with. Not um, that church, but the, the church. church, not just that congregation, but, but the, the church, big C. And that is, we, we still have this, um, what I think is a false dualism of faith versus science. That you mm-hmm. either got to believe science or you, you got to have faith, and the two are just incompatible. And it's my opinion that we, we certainly have to move beyond that and that there are times when the church is wrong, and we have to admit that, mm-hmm. um, My point of view is that, listen, we, we can be wrong about some things concerning science, and there's really, there's only one thing that I can see that um, is so essential to the faith that if we're wrong about that, then the whole thing falls apart, it crumbles and turns to dust, and that is the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. If we're wrong about that, then yes, even the apostle says so in his writings to uh, we are most the, to be pitied. Uh, Corinthians. Yeah. Yes, but outside of that, I think we can engage the world of science and have have some humility uh, in that. Uh, here, here's what I think we're seeking to do, and, and this is me being my most generous. I think toward my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. I think at the end of the day, what we're seeking to do is to affirm our belief in the truth of scripture, Mm -hmm. that God's word is true. And I say yes and amen and amen and amen and amen. It is true. I think where we go astray is seeking to make the Bible conform to things that the Bible really isn't talking about, mm-hmm. like um, like science, like, um, I, I don't know, I'm 
that's that's the that's the thing that keeps coming to mind. Um, well, can I? Sure. So, I mean, what I think is interesting is just the contempt that people in the body of Christ are showing for one another, um, particularly, I mean, in general, <laughs> um, but particularly when it comes to this issue of um, COVID in particular and the vaccine also, that while you have some people in the body of Christ who are saying, if you take the vaccine, you're denying God's sovereignty, you're, you're putting your faith in science and not in God. And that's both, I mean, in my opinion, that that is to say, that is to limit God, to say that God can only heal and care and deliver people in one way. And that's in a way that we perceive as supernatural. And God is opposed and to what is happening in what we perceive as natural in the scientific world. And that's just, I think it's just bad theology. It's just a bad understanding that centers human wisdom and human pride over and against God. The human wisdom of, I can see best how to treat COVID, and I can see best how God is at work in the world, and I am going to trust my sight, and I'm going to tell anyone that doesn't see it the way that I see it that they aren't trusting God. And that is true. And the opposite is also equally true, that you have people in the body of Christ who very much understand that God is working through you know, through what others would perceive as natural, that the the natural realm of science and vaccine development are in themselves supernatural and that God is, this is what we've been praying for. And this is the way that God is delivering and protecting people for COVID. And anyone who doesn't get the vaccine is foolish or stupid or ignorant or whatever. And what I see is, you know, the, the belief is different, but also it's exactly the same. It's just a mirror image of the same thing. And so, you know, what I what I think is important is to be able to have a really brave conversation about the consequences of that level of certainty, not for yourself, but for the entire body of Christ. So obviously, as a pastor, if you're going to speak publicly and say, and, and I'm not talking, I, I don't know anything about Pastor Gould's death or his teaching about the about the pandemic. So I'm not speaking about him, but if a pastor, as many do, are going to speak publicly and say, Hey, the, whether or not you take the vaccine is a sign of whether you are faithful to God or resistant to God, that happens on both sides. And when you're not going to say, this is how I've come to my decision. Um, and this is, you know, I've worked it out in prayer and discernment and I offer it for the edification of the body of Christ. And people who see differently are not my enemies. Correct. They're my brothers and my sisters. And Correct. so I both want to listen deeply and engage deeply. You know, that's the problem. And so you have people in positions of power who are, it's not that, I mean, they can and must and should make the right medical decisions for themselves. But when they make it their medical decision, a theological decision, that's a problem. And that can happen with a pastor who discourages their church from taking the vaccine. That can happen with an institution, a Christian institution that says, unless you take the vaccine, you can't come and be a part of this community. That's the same thing. That's basically saying, I have the authority because I follow Jesus to know what is the right medical decision for everyone else. And the reality is, as Christian institutions and Christian leaders, we say to the world, 
here's the meaning of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. We don't say for the world. So that means you got to think like this, dress like this, vote like this, and fight a pandemic like this. And this is the real problem. And I just think it's important that, you know, when an institution shuts out anyone who doesn't take the vaccine, there ought to be conversations about the unintended consequences of that step of faith. I mean, it was a step of faith. It had unintended consequences. And if a pastor, and we do not know that that's what happened in this situation at all, but if a pastor says, don't take the vaccine because that is not faithful to God and that is not trusting God, and then there were unintended consequences of that decision, that needs to be talked about and wrestled with as well. And I think the foundational thing is we, as the body of Christ, can do that for from a place of grace because we're allowed to be wrong. And when someone is wrong, even when it matters, what we don't need to do is say, well, that person is garbage and that's the only thing that matters about that person and that person clearly was never a part of the body. I mean, we know that's not how we're supposed to re- respond because we have the truth of Jesus finding Peter after the denial and saying, hey, do you love me? Come feed my sheep. Like, come back. Like, you see where you were wrong. I'm not throwing you away like garbage. I'm not asking you to deny and pretend. I'm inviting you back into the flock. And this is the problem when in the body of Christ, everything becomes, in the fallen body of Christ, in the unhealthy body of Christ, everything becomes a matter of belonging or not. And so you can't make any mistakes and you can't grow and you can't change because you're risking you're belonging to the body of Christ. I mean, you're not actually, but we act like, you know, we act like that. We believe it like just the enemy is good at his job. Yeah, we set up a lot of unnecessary either ors. Mm-hmm. And I just think the reality is, and I, I mean, I'm a person who very much thinks that the God is at work through the vaccine and that the vaccine is an answer to prayer. And we have hosted um, vaccination rallies here at the Grove. But I I feel just to my core so convicted that it is not, I do not want the responsibility of making anyone else's medical decisions. And I do not know. I understand the science and I trust the science, but I also know that it is possible, it's very possible that the Lord might be saying to individual people, this is not for you. Because we're all led by the Spirit. Right. And it is not for me to say to someone, your interpretation of the Spirit is wrong. I, it, it is for me to engage with people when they ask me how I understand what the Holy Spirit is doing. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I, so it's not, I mean, I think this was, these were unprecedented times. And, you know, it's not for nothing to me, you know, that Pastor Gould was a black man leading a black church. Um, and, you know, the black Americans in this country have terrible things have happened to black Americans within the medical institution. So, I, you know, to just dismiss that and say like, well, there's no context to that. I mean, there is a context to that. And when we break trust with groups of people over generations, we can't be surprised or I think dismissive when then there's no trust there. So um, I just think it's really tender and really complicated, but I think we have to be able to talk about it because. And these kinds of issues are not new for the church. I mean, even in the New Testament, 
It was, okay, should you marry or should you remain single? Like, well, what is the spirit saying right, to you? Right. Some of the should, Thessalonians have died. Does that mean that they didn't know the Lord? Does yes. that mean they were never part of the body? Mm-hmm. Like, and Should you... Should you um, eat kosher or not? How is the spirit leading you? Can you eat meat that was sacrificed to idols or is that stuff Mm -hmm. tainted? So I think just, I mean, the problem is when we feel like we have to hide. And also, I just want to say for the record that I do believe that even in the body of Christ, and even if you're a pastor, um, you know, your medical your your personal health and medical records are nobody's entitled to them correct so i do think you know that that just needs to be named like the reality is this is a person who served jesus christ and um i you know i went to a funeral at victory christian center once of a um a young girl who had died very unexpectedly and um you know, I just was really in awe of just the, I mean, when you talk about him being a pastor, just like the tenderness, um, the tenderness of the trust of Jesus Christ in that moment. And, um, you know, just watching the parents of this young woman in the worship service lift their hands in praise to God and just like the holiness and the sacredness of that it just um you know but i think it's just always important you know if we all we all sin and fall short of the glory of god and i don't know what anyone's particular sin is but i know to see something and think well maybe that's not right is not to see anything except humanity and we don't have to despise humanity and i wish that we were healthier as a church that you know we people didn't feel like they had to hide in order to protect a legacy um and also i just want to say one more time that we're speculating about a rumor that may not even correct be true yes and so we're really talking about a larger issue yes and i hope that comes across that where we've moved beyond talking about him and what may or may not be true, but this larger issue of how can we hold different positions and still recognize that we belong in the body and belong to one another. And um, there are areas of Christian discipleship where we take different positions and it is okay. Um, right. and, and it is, it is not sin to take the vaccine and it is not sin to say no to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what is important is to know that the choices we make really do have consequences and some of them are unintended. And so we, we need to be a community where it's safe um, to talk. I mean, like, I think, you know, it just feels as if somehow it's unloving to have a conversation and it's not unloving to have a conversation. Like we need to be able to have conversations, and um, and and to wonder together. And that's what the practice of theology is. It's just thinking about God in, in the context of community and wondering what does it mean to be faithful, and knowing that we don't always. And well, I know that I don't always get it right, and also God works with people. I'm grateful that God works with doesn't require us to always get it right so 
So what are you thinking about? Well, I, I mean, not, um, I mean, not in an entirely unrelated vein. I'm thinking about the latest um, public massacre in Colorado Springs mm. at Avenue Q. And um, just this is a, um, a gay club and someone came in and with a long rifle and open fire and only five people were killed only 25 people were wounded um and you know it's just such a remarkable thing that we live in a world where that's an only mm -hmm. um and you know this happened on the anniversary of the pulse nightclub shooting in florida where 50 um, people were killed at a different gay nightclub and it happened um, at on the on the dawn of transgender day of remembrance um, where a day set aside to remember lives lost to violence against transgendered people and you know I think um, it is it's just really important i think in a moment like that the church i mean either wants to distance or blame um so some parts of the church want to say you know i hold a particular teaching about human sexuality but that doesn't make me responsible for what happened in that club and other people in the body of christ who hold a different teaching um on human sexuality want to say yes it does um and you know what i think is true is that the way that we understand God is a matter of life and death. Mm. And we need to know that. Um, and when we are not able to clearly um, denounce those who use the name of Christ to, to justify um you know, deriding the humanity of other people who say, you know, people who are transgendered um, are an abomination before the Lord. People say that. I don't say that. People say that. People, I mean, all around in communities, people are being weaponized by the gospel um, because it's easy, it is easier to draw a community around hate than it is around love. And so people can do that and say, like, what it means to follow Jesus is just to hate the people that Jesus hates. And that people are susceptible to that rhetoric. And I think people want to say, like, well, they're words, and my words never called for violence. But we are people who say that Jesus Christ is the word of God. Like, we understand that the most powerful thing in the world is an idea, um, and that um, words become reality. And so I don't want to police words. I don't want to ban words. I don't want to censor words, but I do want us not to f kid ourselves that the words that are proclaimed from a pulpit or the words that are not proclaimed from the pulpit, um, ha have life and death consequences. And I just, you know, I, I know that what I know for sure is that the church for generations has, propped up a way of thinking about gender that's been deeply destructive um, to men and to women. Um, and I see a lot of the ways that people are reckoning with gender right now as just the fruit of that. Um, and 
I, I can have real compassion and sympathy for folks who are trying to understand what does it mean um, if, if being male doesn't mean what I think and being female doesn't mean what I think, then who am I and how do I relate to other people? And I've talked before about how I think actually it's just really helpful, um, the, the awareness that transgendered folks bring to their communities of, oh gosh, why, why is it so important for me to know what gender a person is when a foundational truth of the gospel is that in Christ Jesus there is no longer male or male and female. So, so we're supposed to be transgender. We are supposed to be transcending cultural understandings of gender. And so the fact that a person doesn't conform to cultural understandings of gender, the fact that that's so threatening to us really reveals how much we have conformed the gospel to this world because of of all the people in the world who should be able to hold space for someone who expresses their gender differently or who or who says, you know, you thought I was this and now I'm that. Like we who have been told explicitly that gender categories don't belong inside the body of Christ, we ought to be able to hold space for that mystery. Like we, we have already been told to anticipate that mystery. Um, and I get we're human and I get it's hard to feel like the whole way you see the world is shifting under your feet. I, I really get it. And I get that the longer you've been alive, the harder that that is. And I, I know that in the future, it'll be hard, harder for me than it is now. And it's harder for me now than it was earlier. Like I get that. But also I just think, Jesus told us that everything is passing away, everything. So we have to be people who get used to the ground shifting under our feet and get used to saying, like, I really don't understand, but I believe that God is good. And I know for sure how Jesus has told me to treat my neighbors and even my enemies. And I know what it looks like to be righteous. And it looks like kneeling down to serve. And it looks like um, protecting vulnerable people. I know that. Um, And so I just think it's really important that a churches um, do more work reclaiming the sanctity of Christ from the culture wars, and also that churches, that communities of Christ are places where people can grow. And so you can't say to people, what we can say is we have a way we talk to each other here. We have a way that we treat one another here. We have a common understanding of who Jesus is and how Jesus is calling us to live. But what you can't say is you can't come in here until you already know the thing that our community exists to teach and serve and share. Right. And so we have to be a place where we can make disciples. And so you can't just say, I'm not going to be in relationship with people until they already are disciples. And it's just tricky to know what it looks like to be a disciple in this moment of American history, I think, Um, because it's deeper than being on the right side of the culture war. Yes. And we we want to look right more Mm -hmm. than actually be Be right right, sometimes. Um, I've I've mentioned transgendered people um, in Sunday sermons, I think maybe twice over the past uh, three or so months, and um, I didn't hear anything Mm -hmm. from the congregation, and I was prodding to get a response Mm -hmm. and got none, and so I was just very curious about that. And then a couple of Saturdays ago when we were having um, our our prayer summit, 
and we were just praying for people in our community and our neighborhood, especially folks that we believe to be marginal in our neighborhood. And um, we, I was introducing this part of our prayer time, the, the way we uh, uh, engage is that I will introduce a topic, we'll say some things about it, say some things about our community as it relates to this particular thing that we're praying about and some scripture as well. And then we, we pray in small groups. And so I was introducing this part of our prayer time and someone raised their hand and just wanted to have a conversation about it. And they mm -hmm. started and, and then someone else and someone else. And this is clearly a live issue mm -hmm. um, at Dorita Church. Um, someone expressed, I know Jesus calls us to love everybody. That's just point blank period. There's mm -hmm. not a question in my mind. However, I'm hearing messages from other churches, other pastors. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the word that I'm getting from the larger church is that these are bad people. And this person confessed beautifully and wonderfully and very vulnerably, I'm... I'm confused. I have this conflict. I don't know what walking in the way of Jesus looks like in this area. Mm -hmm. And so we, we start having that conversation. And really, we came back to what you were saying earlier. Um, can you belong mm -hmm. without conforming to our or anyone else's idea of what a, a, a disciple, a good quote unquote mm -hmm. disciple looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just think like Jesus continually confused and confounded people's expectations. And we should really expect that if we are following Jesus, we're going to be led in a kind of radical love that feels really scary. And we were joking earlier about looking at the Advent text and saying like, what we need is is to recover the offensiveness of Christ, yes. right? And just to say, like, if this if this doesn't seem hard, then you're not hearing it right. And so to both say to someone who is really doesn't understand how they're called to be faithful to transgender people, to say, like, yeah, Jesus is calling you to figure that out. And to say to people who absolutely understand that they're called to welcome transgender people to say Jesus is calling you to figure out how to be in relationship with people that you think are are messing it up for everyone and just to have some compassion that like this is not a thing that anyone was having a conversation about well I shouldn't say that that's ignorant not the the um, breadth of the conversation has expanded dramatically in the past five years, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so, so the stuff, the stakes are life and death. <laughs> and so, you know, that's not to say ignore it or, you know, but to say, we don't need to act like people are, you know, um, terrible bigots just because they're wrestling with something that they just probably were unaware of until a, a very short time ago, just to recognize that it, it's hard to change and it's very hard to recognize that Jesus isn't who you thought Jesus was if you've been following Jesus for a long time and and yet that is what we are continually being called to do um, is to walk deeper and deeper into the fullness 
and mystery and beauty of who Christ is. And that is going to be uncomfortable. So yeah, when, when I'm asked directly by uh, folks in the church about um, transgendered people, I tell them just very directly, I begin at a place of humility and compassion. Number one, I don't know what that struggle is like. I just don't know. Two, it must be deeply in ways that I can't imagine, again, painful. And so does Jesus love them? Yes. Am I seeking to make them conform to something before I love them? No. Right. Well, and I do think, and we said this was going to be a short podcast, so we're we big did. liars. We are. Um, I do think also just, you know, having, you know, I mean, everyone was making fun of during the Supreme Court decisions when um, Judge Katanji Jackson Brown was asked, what is a woman? And she said, I can't tell you because I'm not a biologist. And everyone was just mocking the heck out of that. But I, I think, you know, if you really take science seriously and you go like that seems like a lot of questions that seem obvious when you think about them for a second aren't. So you say like, well, a woman is a woman because of these, you know, biological parts of their body. And you go like, okay, well then if a woman has her uterus removed, is she not a woman anymore? And if, and you say like, well, no, it's all about like external sex characteristics at birth. And then people come and say like, okay, but there are people who are born with external sex characteristics of both genders. So you want to put them in this duality category that just, I mean, it's rare, but it does not exist perfectly. And so I think just it's, it is so hard sometimes to separate the traditions we've received about Jesus from the actual revelation of Jesus. And we have to continually wrestle with doing that because some of the traditions we've received about Jesus are just wrong and you know it and I know it and we all know it. The traditions about Jesus justified slavery and genocide and just we know that that can happen. So you have to be open to the possibility that some of the ways that I am seeing the world might be more formed by the world than by Jesus and I've got to go to the word of God, the biblical text and the word of God the Holy Spirit and the risen Lord in our midst and really say, search me and know me and teach me and cleanse me and I'll be cleansed and let me not seek, um, confirmation of my own bias. Right. And let me not seek, a, a an understanding of you that makes me feel righteous, but mm. an understanding of you where I perceive your righteousness. That's like an overwhelming flood and restoring all of creation. So happy Thanksgiving. We're done. <laughs> This Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, and we are going to um, preach Adventy things and not talk about them now. Adventy. We're not talking about them now. Okay. Adventy things, because we're out of time, because no one's listening to us anymore. But if you would like to find out more about the good people at Derrida Presbyterian Church, you can worship with them at 11 o'clock. You can um, go to their podcast, which is on the Podbean website, which is the Derrida Church podcast, and you can go to their website. <laughs> which is at deridachurch.faithlifesites.com. That's derida, D-E-R-I-T-A, and um, faithlifesites, all one word, and sites is with an S. And, and that's where you'll find our live stream. 
and the YouTube channel. You can check that out too. Yes. And if you want to find out more about what God is doing at God's Church, The Grove, you can go to the website, which is thegrovecharlotte.org. You can check out our podcast um, and our YouTube channel, um, The Grove Church Podcast, The Grove Charlotte. I really need to have straight in my own head which one it is. Failing as a 21st century pastor. (laughs) Um, But thank you all so much for listening to us, and we will talk to you next week.